Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Raptor Queens podcast, the first ever all-woman podcast covering the Toronto Raptors. My name is Sarah Khalil, and I'm here with my other Queen of the North, Allison Hope. Hi, Allison. Hi, Sarah. Hi, everybody. Exciting day today. It is. Yes, it's exciting. Thank you for tuning in for today's podcast. The reason it's exciting is because we are happy to have a special guest with us today who I'm going to introduce in just a minute. But first, I want to give a little bit of a Raptors recap. So over the past few weeks, the Raptors roster has been, we will say, in flux with 10, yes, 10 of its players out of games due to health and safety protocols, including literally every starter for nearly two weeks. During this time, the Raptors signed a series of G League players under the COVID hardship rules. And at one point, the players literally met on the way to the arena on a bus and then played a game of basketball together. That went well, about as well as you could imagine that might go. Um, And yeah, and then since that time, the players have slowly been returning to form, returning to the game over the past week until today for the first time all season, the Raptors roster was healthy with all of its top eight rotation players available to play. Unfortunately, this all happened in a near empty arena as Ontario's own health and safety protocols have restricted indoor gatherings quite significantly. Nothing has been normal about the Raptors season. And yet, even with injuries and shutdowns and no fans and rosters that are thrown together at literally the last minute, uh, the Raptors are only one game below 500. And as of recording right now, they sit in a playing spot. So let's just say this could be a lot worse. And seeing to get the team together healthy for the first time, there might even be something to be optimistic about. So with that, it is time to introduce today's guest, Adam Corsair. Adam is a tireless <laughs> fan and podcaster and covers both the Blue Jays and the Raptors. You may already know him from his podcast, South of the Sixth. Adam lives in Rhode Island with his wife and his two kids and is currently on sabbatical from his South of the Sixth podcast, Perfecting the Art of Parenting. Adam was one of the first in the media community to extend a welcome to the Raptor Queens when we first launched, and we are absolutely delighted to have him. Welcome, Adam. Hi. To what do I owe the pleasure of being around royalty with the Queens here? I, I, don't, I don't know what I've done to deserve such an honor, but I will say that uh, I appreciate the, uh, the hype, but I got to tell you, uh, perfecting my parenting is very much not what's happening. <laughs> I, uh, I, I'm... I'll, I'll say I'm struggling productively, put it that way. Uh, having a three-year-old and a three-month-old isn't easy. And uh, I give full credit to my wife for uh, being the perfect parent, whereas I am just in for the ride. But I appreciate the introduction. It's great to be here. Well, Adam, I must say, I, I appreciate your decor. Our viewers can't see it, but there are all kinds of Raptors and Toronto Blue Jays motifs. And mm-hmm. I note there is no vomit on your shirt. So you're clearly <laughs> doing something right. I had a stain. I don't know if it's still there. I did have, you can tell, this is what I do. So when I see people that just had a baby, I always look for the shoulder, right? Because there's usually like a drool mark after like burping them on the shoulder or there's like a milk spot. And I'm just like, yep, you just had a baby. You just burped them. That's how you can tell. So always look for the shoulder. If, yeah. uh, if you know someone that just had a child, you'll see some spots. Well, you look pristine. Thank you. I try. It's for royalty. That's why I'm here. Yeah, you, you change change your shirt before you meet a queen, right? <laughs> I a hundred percent changed my shirt before coming on here. I'm not even lying. Oh well, thank thank you for thank you for doing us that no that problem. honor. We appreciate that. Um, all right, are you ready to talk some basketball? Yeah, let's do it. Let's all do right. It. So today, Raptors beat the Knicks, 120 to 105. Granted, the Knicks were not playing with their full roster. It seems like very few teams are right now. But what was it like? to watch the Raptors play today with a healthy squad? A little surreal. Um, it, it sort of took me back and made me think, okay, I need to sort of recollect here what this team has in terms of you know roster construction because I don't know if it's fair to really evaluate this team, much like last year. I don't know if it's fair to evaluate this team based on uh, what has been happening within the past couple of weeks. I, I think it's a little bit unfair, but given today seeing that, you know, you had a full roster, I think it was the first time in, was it 30 games, 33 games or thereabouts. Um, it, it was, it was surreal. I, I appreciated Nick nurse coming out small 
at first. I thought that was uh, fun to see. Um, it was especially fun seeing Barnes back. I, I, he's just a special talent for me, and I just love watching him play, and I, I love what um, he can do for the future of this team. But all in all, I think the only thing that would have made it sweeter, as you mentioned at the top of the show, Sarah, is uh, having a crowd there. It was just weird seeing Masai being the only one there just sitting down. And that in and of itself was a meme. It was a little funny. But uh, uh, otherwise, it was, it was a breath of fresh air seeing this team. And I hope, knock on desk, I hope that is something that can carry over into games into the future. And we don't have to deal with this any longer. Let's hope so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just to your point about having to like recall what this team has. I remember when we started this season's podcast, we were talking about um, you know, the, the game plan and looking at what the Raptors were going to, um, you know, they were experimenting with with length and we were looking forward to seeing how the season progressed. And for me, at least over the last few weeks, I've been thinking or forgetting about that long-term game plan and just thinking, man, this is just a season where you just see what happens. Um, so kind of forgetting about that big picture and the long-term trajectory and the strategy. And this was a game that reminded me that the Raptors do have a strategy and they're trying to see how it will work out. It's just been interrupted constantly. Mm. Yeah. Well, and the Raptors, I, I mean, they have had to deal with so much, so much adversity in the last two years. It's, it's no mean thing that they're playing at home. Now that can't be overstated how important that is. And to have access to the 905, 45 minutes away, so, I mean, we're quite accustomed to dealing with adversity. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, when we reflect on what happened last year, obviously, to me, that's just more of a wasted season, what happened in Tampa last year. I don't even like to recall it because it just seems so unfair. But more to the point, like, when you evaluate the team at the beginning of the season, you have this sort of roster construction in your head and saying, okay, well, we can, you know, sort of evaluate the talent and see who is the future of this team and who's not. And I know there are some names that will forever be in, enshrined into the Raptors future, like an OG, like a Fred Van Vliet, like even a Barnes, obviously right now, and Pascal. Um, not to take anything away from other, the other contributors on the team, like a GTJ or um, a Chris Boucher. I just, I'm not convinced that we know, and I don't know that we know enough based on the lack of cohesiveness and the last of, lack of synergy that the team has been able to have to really make a fair evaluation, right? And uh, that's why I say, hopefully for the second half, quote unquote, of the season, we're able to have uh, more games with the full roster so we can have these evaluations so we can decide, okay, this person might not fit into the game plan later on because that's part of a rebuild, right? And it's not fair to, you know, evaluate and to deconstruct a rebuild without enough games with the full roster. I don't, I think that's a disservice to both the players that, you consider mainstays and to the players that you might think are on the fringe of the roster. And we know Masai is nothing if not patient. He certainly took his time and, and considered uh, firing Dwayne Casey. Dwayne Casey had multiple opportunities, Eastern Conference finals. So we know that Masai is not going to do anything in haste. I should say right. Masai and Bobby. Right, right. So thinking about evaluations and obviously of course now we're, we're we have very few games to to look at but what is standing out for you when you do look at the players playing together as healthy in, in the games where they play together healthy what's standing out to you as working or not working with the current construction they love to shoot <laughs> this team really really likes to shoot especially they like to shoot their threes and that is not anything that's atypical of uh of a Nick Nurse led squad. Um, I'm just not sure that they have an, a robust enough personnel to be able to pull that off on a night to night basis. Um, I, I would like to see a little bit more underneath. Um, I, I'll, I'll tell you, Achua is one of the most frustrating players on this team for me. Uh, I, I just, I, I know he's still young and I know there's, you know, there's, there's a growing pains process here, but. Man, if we could put his body on Chris Boucher, I think we'd have a really, really special player. Um, I, I Same thing with Chris Boucher. I would like to see a little bit more aggressiveness. The frame, obviously, is a disservice to that. I don't know that he can be able to do it uh, at a robust level that a big can do. But I don't know that it's necessary with the construction, right? You saw today, as I mentioned, 
um, they ran a little bit small. Having Pascal down at the five or having um, it, sometimes you have Barnes playing underneath. I think that could be serviceable. I'm not sure that's enough, but I'm I'm saying like for the way the roster is constructed right now, I think it can be serviceable for them to win games. And I think running small the way they were today specifically is the best way for them to go because it, it has that happy balance of having that sort of big presence underneath with Pascal coupled with the, the ability to space the floor and to be able to be as trigger happy with their shots as they have been. Mm, interesting point about the the three pointers. I was mentioning that today that I don't really think there's anyone on the team other than Fred Van Vliet who can consistently actually provide spacing on the floor. Um, Gary, Gary Trent's a good shooter, absolutely, but there's no real consistent outside threat yet um, right. that you know defenses have to plan for consistently. But they do shoot it anyway. They shoot a lot, right? And yeah. I I was watching uh, games against like Philly, watching games against uh, the Clippers and whatnot, you know, have, and especially that game against Cleveland, that that was just a dumpster fire. But um, there is no player on this team right now from deep that I would like to see shoot in a clutch situation other than Fred Van Vliet. Um, however, like in terms of just game flow and things, when he's on, Gary Trent is on and I like to see him have those second chance opportunities. I like the short-term memory. Um, but otherwise maybe Barnes again, maybe Barnes can be able to have that, um, that threat be unleashed, but on a consistent basis, Fred Van Vliet, he's, he's the man of this team. And I don't even think that's debatable. Okay. Excellent. Allison, what did you notice that stood out to you in today's game and, uh, you know, had the, how the roster actually fits together? So watching Pascal just start to impose his will on the game. And it's, I'm really curious to see what's going to happen when, when teams start to double him and he's able to pick them apart um, with his passing to the open men. If we can just shoot league average from three, I, I think we're 22nd in the league now from, um, from three at 34%. If we can bring that up to just league average, that's going to be significantly more opportunities a game. Um, so I really like that, um, his willingness to, to initiate and make the pass. I really like OG's attack. Um, he's really putting it all together and I just hope he can stay healthy the rest of the way. That's, um, a concern. Just, it seems like when he gets rolling, uh, he picks up some kind of nagging injury. So hopefully, uh, he's good for the year now. The thing of concern for me is a lack of bench productivity and um, watching Malachi Flynn play uh, 30 minutes uh, the other night at, with, I think, three assists. Um, that's a concern, his ability to run the offense. Uh, Gary Trent, I, I absolutely trust him with the ball in his hands, but he's showing some effects of, the, of being out. He doesn't really have his legs. So... Uh, those are the, the things that I'm seeing. Well, there's, there's a lot of pieces we could pick apart there. I actually want to focus on Pascal Siakam for a bit because he has had a remarkable past couple of games. Um, for me, I feel like I'm watching pre-bubble Pascal right now, mm. just standout production production and not making the types of mistakes that have made me want to pull my hair out over the last little bit. What do, what do you think about that, Adam? Um, I think that he's starting to come in, come into his own. Um, I think, okay. So there, given the past, I think it's been like three or four games. He's been averaging 20 plus per game. Um, you want to see that, um, especially out of someone that is a staple to this team as a cornerstone. Um, but there are still some things that he does that sort of frustrate me. And I don't know if it's because I'm asking too much of him. And I don't know if it's the expectations are a little bit too high. Um, given that he was uh, a max salary player, given that he was uh, banked on for this team's future so so heavily. Um, but in terms of just the production that he offers to the team, it sort of, it mitigates the flaws, right? And you can't be upset with what he's been doing, especially uh, with the rebounds. He's been phenomenal. Um, 
it's just one of those iffy things for me. It's one of those things that I, I, I evaluate and say, I can take your production. I can take your scoring. I, I, I want to see a little bit more of the old Pascal with the, with the spin moves and stuff. And it's coming back, but it hasn't been nearly as present as it used to be, as you mentioned, sour pre-bubble. Um, but just his handles really annoy me. Um, the way that he, I think he thinks he can be a, like a point guard or set up, it just annoys me. Um, and I don't like picking on him because he is a special talent. But um, all in all, I have no real complaints with Pascal Siakam. I'm just sort of trying to nitpick with what I've been seeing from him. That's all. Interesting. Okay, so uh, this is maybe a bit of a what's your what's your hot take question, but I'll throw it at you. Also, sure. I'd like to hear your hot take question as answers this question as well um if you had to trade one of og fred or pascal you have to and you don't know who you're getting back yet i haven't i haven't that's not part of the question because you have to trade one of them who would you trade am i going first sure pascal okay like easily without even thinking about it yeah just money wise pascal and it has again it has nothing to do with this production it really doesn't. It's just, I know you have to go, uh, you know, contract for contract, but um, given the trajectory, right. And, and I can see an argument for Fred Van Vliet too. Right. But because point guards are so, I don't want to say replaceable, but a talent like Pascal is a little bit more harder to replace than the Fred Van Vliet. But I think Fred Van Vliet is the sheer captain of this team. And that sort of leadership is irreplaceable. I think he is the perfect fill-in for a Kyle Lowry moving forward. Um, whereas a Pascal Siakam, I don't know. I just love the upside of an OG and an Obi. So when you take the leadership of Fred Van Vliet, when you take the upside and the just the raw talent, and I don't even think we've seen the ceiling of OG and an Obi yet, um, that leaves Pascal. And I think right now, the height of Pascal and it's not even bad. I think we know what he is, right? I, I think we can evaluate Pascal and say, he's great. He's maybe even all-star level, but this is it. I think this is the ceiling of Pascal Siakam. Okay. Allison, what are your thoughts? Hmm. Adam, that's interesting. I'm not sure I agree respectfully. Okay. Uh, he's come miles from where he started as a playmaker he's made significant strides that way I do agree about his handles sometimes um, but I don't think he's hit a ceiling I I know that people say well he's uh, what is he 28 now Mm. like he's an older player Um, I think he's going to get better as far as your question Sarah who would I trade damn that's a really difficult question um uh, I and I appreciate Adam what you said about the salary with Pascal, because um, Fred gives would give us a lot more flexibility. Um, oh man, Sarah, tell me who you think, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna commit. <laughs> That's really hard. Oh my god. Okay, I'm gonna just pick this season and this season only because I would actually have a different answer for next season potentially. This season, if I had to only trade one, I'd probably trade Pascal. Next season, I would be more open to trading Fred. Um, I just I don't think you yes. can lose him this season because there's nobody, nobody, nobody else on the team that's going to bring that leadership. I think in the future, the trajectory of this team is that it will be Scotty's team and that he can eventually be the leader of this team. And maybe he needs one season or another, two seasons with Fred as captain. Um, but you, you can't get rid of Fred this year. There's, you can't, um, in my opinion. Uh, so if I, uh, but you know, like I have seen some other people put arguments out that maybe OG is the one to trade and notwithstanding the fact that I agree that his ceiling is really high and I would hate to get rid of OG, but for injury reasons, I've heard that be the, the case for trading OG, but I'm not buying that one yet. So I'm, mm. I'm picking Pascal. I think, oh, this is so very difficult and trust you to, to ask such a difficult question. I would have to say, oh, Fred, and he again has made huge, huge strides and I appreciate the leadership he brings. He's the clear leader of the team, but I mean, if hard decisions have to be made um, with a view to the future, um, I, I would have to, to say Fred, and I know that's going to make me unpopular in Raptors land. 
why what what is not and i'm not not trying to challenge you or tell yeah, you yeah no 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 how come no that's fair so size wise he's a bit of an anachronism in the league we've seen point guards get bigger and bigger we saw difficulty with uh, him facing length against the um, the Celtics in the bubble. And in all fairness to him, he's developed that teardrop shot to overcome uh, the length coming at him. So he's shown growth in that area. I'm just a little bit concerned at times about his playmaking, although that has vastly improved over the last two years. Um, so, I mean, you asked a difficult question. Um, I have to go with my gut, but it's, you know, there's a reason that Masai Ujiri and Bobby Webster are running this team and I'm not. So, <laughs> okay. Well, you know, I'm actually going to use that for a bit, bit of the segue into the next part of our conversation. The next part of our conversation is really to take a look from now until the all-star break, which is about February 20th ish. Um, and taking a look at where we, what's, what's going to happen for the Raptors over the next quarter of the season? What, what is their record going to be? Um, do we anticipate that there's going to be any trades made between now and then, or now and the, the trade deadline? Is any, or any of the Raptors going to be named all-stars? So it's a, it's a bigger picture conversation looking forward into the next quarter of the season. Um, Let's let's start with the question about do we think any trades are going to be made, and do we have any specific trade predictions? Allison, do you want to go first? So, I was pretty confident at the beginning of the year that uh, they would not buy out Goran Dragic, and um, given the, the the video that emerged from his Instagram account of him practicing at the Miami Heat facility which was kind of interesting given that he's on the payroll of the Toronto Raptors. Uh, the, the, the mean person in me thought, well, then we should just not buy him out. And then he can't sign with anyone um, after, after the trade deadline. I still think he gets moved, but I know that salary is very difficult to match. And there was a time that I wondered if Chris Boucher might get moved, although, um, his play has been markedly better in the last week. I think um, Svi Mihalik, uh, he's under contract uh, to the end of next year, like 2022-2023. He's quickly playing himself out of the rotation. I'm not sure what the market there would be. Um, so those are, you know, the, the three people. Do I think something's going to happen? Probably. Will it be all three of those players? Probably not. Okay, so for you, you the, the changes that you see happen um, outside of our top uh, top six roster um, live more on the bench side of things and uh, with Goran, who's apparently like not even a real part of this team. So, okay, uh, Adam, what do you think? Um, not to get, all right, so I want to sort of carry over with, uh, with the Drogic um, conversation. And I, I think... I'm just going to speculate and not to get all COVID talk. I don't want to, I don't want to get into that, but um, what is, what are the rules to enter or to play sports in Canada? Do you have to be fully vaccinated at this point? Was it January 2nd? That was the deadline. I believe so. Okay. So it was today. Maybe he's not vaccinated and that's why he sort of has to practice in my, I'm just speculating. I am. I'm trying to give the benefit of the doubt as to why someone else is playing or uh, practicing in another team's facility. Cause I don't like that either. I think that's dirty. Um, but if anybody on this team was going to get moved, I think he's a prime candidate to do it. But like you said, the, the contract is a little bit difficult to do. So maybe they'll just buy him out and just wash their hands of it, especially if he can't play or won't play. Um, but otherwise, just looking at the roster, I don't know. I, I don't I don't like the idea of trading away like a Chris Boucher. I, I sort of still want to see what we have in him um, moving forward. The, the talent is there, and he's still so young and raw that I, I don't know that we've made a fair, fair evaluation of him, as I've said previously. Um, but otherwise, you have players like, I don't know, you said Sfi, sure, if people want a spot-up suitor. To me, he's just Matt Thomas again. So sure, if you want to trade him away, that's fine. Um, uh, I don't know, Flynn, if you really want to. I, I just, I don't know what you're going to get for him. I think it's just 
going to be low-end trades. I, I don't see anything substantial, put it that way, that the Raptors are going to do to push the envelope and to move the needle. I don't think they're there. I, I think that would sort of just being put two steps forward and one step back. It just w- doesn't make sense to me. Um, I think fairly what you look at the roster is what you're going to see to end the season, maybe with the tweak or two here and there. And again, Drogic isn't really part of the team right now anyway. So if we remove him or trade him or buy him out, it doesn't really impact the team that much. And that's more for, I guess, for him and for the front office, just to avoid the headache at this point. Well, I'm just going to jump in. So when Ricky Rubio went down this week, I, a little light went on in the back of my mind and I thought, Oh, the Cavs are going to need a point guard. Right. But they did um, get Rondo. So uh, certainly, I mean, and unfortunately injuries are part of the game and and a big part of it. And you just wonder if someone in contention loses a point guard um, due to injury uh, there, there will be a market. So you're basically saying Fred could go. (laughs) <laughs> he's so no. replaceable <laughs> no 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 draw draw to cleveland okay 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 <laughs> I, I or Malachi. Okay. yes <laughs> yeah wow the thought that i was just thinking has left my brain completely so uh i have no idea what it was anymore mm. but sarah you did say while you're thinking that you think malachi flynn needs a change of scenery right yeah, maybe he doesn't fit with this roster. So totally. he's he's a serviceable player. He can shoot, and may, maybe that's what he needs. I get Delon Wright vibes from him. Yeah, I, I definitely think that uh, Malachi needs a different opportunity for him, and I don't see it happening on this team. Um, but the uh, in terms of like, will there be like a big trade? I don't think it's an absolute no. Maybe that's how I'll say it. Is like. Um, should, should a trade scenario be presented that leaves the, (laughs) leaves the Raptors with the right pieces to build around Scotty, including maybe a bigger center, then I think it's possible that it could go. So basically what I'm predicting is either a block blockbuster type trade with like three different teams involved, or just like these minor minor trades the ones that you guys you guys have mentioned so far i just don't think it's an absolute no that's all i think it would be exciting the yeah. if the former happened but i think as i think we're in agreement that the more likely scenario would be the latter of just these minuscule just sort of moves just paper moves maybe maybe okay. i wonder i wonder like there, there are some i love weird, it there are some really weird things going on in the nba right now like I don't know what's going to happen with Ben Simmons. I really, I personally don't want Ben Simmons on our team, but like but maybe if, he, if he's involved in a trade where he gets moved and then we get something in return, like potentially that could work out. Um, anyway, I just, there's, there's some weird things. Sure. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Okay. Next question. Next question. Will Fred Van Vliet be an all-star? Yes or no? Adam? Emphatically. Yes. He should be. Yes. Okay. Well, will he be? Yes. Oh, yes, awesome. yes, yes. Uh, I, I agree. I looked at uh, how the voting works and I, I think he'll be probably be a reserve. Yes. But uh, yeah, he'll be an all-star. Sarah, you? Uh, well, I'm gonna Consensus? Say- Come on. Yeah. No, I, like not because I don't think he should be. I just don't know if he will be. I think that because of COVID protocols and him being out for two weeks and just U.S., problems u.s canada problems that there's a chance that he will not be anyway not because i don't think he should be i just don't know if it'll actually happen i'm just being really controversial today so (laughs) i'm just here to stir the pot i guess (laughs) i think a reserve is more likely i think the nba especially with the all-star um setup and how you know talent seems to sneak in there i think when you look at generally speaking it's really odd for some for a player that's not in a team that currently right now is in play in tournament. So technically they're in playoff contention um, to, to be in the all-star game. It's, it'd be really weird if Fred Van Vliet, who's clear by, I think we're in agreement that he's by far the best player currently on the team in terms of production, if he wasn't in. And I think the NBA recognizes the talent. And I think as a reserve, 
um, it seems likely that he'll get it, I think. I, I think the, right. the breakdown is uh, the media gets 25% of the weight of the votes, the players get 25 and the fans get 50. Um, and it, apparently the reserves are selected by the coaches. So to me, that seems like a good chance that he'll get in. Yeah. Okay. I really hope both of you are right. Fingers crossed. All right. That one. Okay. Next question. Uh, what will the Raptors record be approximately uh, by the all-star break? Oh. I'm really bad at math, but I'm going to just say not that much different than it is i think they'll in terms of where they'll be placed in the standings i think we'll be seeing them at like hovering at eight nine ten okay allison yeah i, I think we'll have a, a 500 record give or give or take a game either way okay obviously you can never know because of various uh injuries and covid related protocols but i will go with a little bit more optimistic than you i think that they will be in sixth or seventh and oh i know you guys i'm really i'm really going for it today (laughs) with um with like five games over 500 whoa okay right right. like maybe like a win streak allison why are you that would be oh no that would be awesome i was just thinking like that would be fabulous. I so hope you're right. Again. I'm, like, I'm like, no, Fred's not going to make the all-star team. The Raptors are going to be just flying through the standings. You've had like a bunch of listeners just so upset at you for the for the Fred Van Vliet, no all-star slander. And then you just pulled them back in for sixth place. <laughs> and now everyone's like, yes, we're back on board. Let's go. Yeah. Today's the episode where people decide whether they're like, oh, pro Allison or pro Sarah. Yeah, it's a very... <laughs> ebb and flow episode right now yeah and they're also saying bring adam back (laughs) (laughs) okay awesome well let's take a look then um we we have a regular segment for any new listeners one of our regular segments that we do every week is we do a king of the north segment and a court jester of the week segment king of the north is where we take a look over the past week we think who's been a really standout performer over the last week we want to give them some acknowledgement uh kudos their way Court Jester of the Week is where we take a look and we think, you know, either this was um, uh, a really something funny happened, this made us laugh, or um, it was just kind of a clown moment or a clown move. And uh, we just want to call someone out for being a bit of a clown. So uh, that's what we're going to spend the next couple minutes on, starting with our King of the North segment. Allison, who did you choose? (laughs) Uh, So I went with Chris Boucher the much maligned Chris Boucher uh, fans were really on him this week on social, but he's had a good week. He's remodeled his game in the short term, um, really playing within himself, working his butt off on defense and crashing the boards. And maybe the most significant thing to me is just getting his shots within the flow of the offense. He's not putting up threes at every opportunity. Um, so he was one of the standouts for me, but I, I went with him this week. Yeah, he had, he had a really good game a couple of games ago, 28 points. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. It was nice to actually see him, you know, be Chris Boucher that we, you know, have come to know love and love. Couple seasons. Great. Good, good choice. Adam, who will you choose? I was going to say Chris Boucher. Um, I, I, again, I know I've ragged on him. Uh, I'll, I'll pick someone different, but I, I know I've ragged on him before, but that performance against Philly was just so impressive. Um, the way he held his own against Embiid. And I think even Embiid acknowledged it in his own way because they were chirping back and forth. Right. And he just, he didn't back down. And again, for, for a guy that has such a skinny frame against Joel Embiid, who's this beast of a man, um, he didn't back down. And I appreciated that. And he had a productive game. So that to me was super impressive. I I was happy to see it. But if I'm going to pick someone else, I I know this is a cheap answer, but you got to go Pascal. And I know, again, I ragged on him before, but so far since, you know, the past three or four games, he's been just outstanding in in terms of his production with the, with the scoring. So um, it it was a welcome sight to see Um, judging by, you know, your reaction, Sarah, maybe you were going with Pascal as well. So um, all right. (laughs) <laughs> so I'll, I'll let you, I'll let you uh, wax poetically a little bit more about him if you want. You know what? I don't have that much more to say, but I also picked Pascal Siakam um, just like for really complete games. Um, yeah. And I've, I've just really enjoyed actually 
seeing what I would call a return to form. It's been really nice. And it makes me think that the whole Raptors ceiling can get raised. Like if he's going to play like this, then the, the Raptors, all of them have a better chance of winning every single game. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm picking Pascal and crossing my fingers. I also, I love that I said he's the one I would trade. So, you know, like, like <laughs> this is like a very interesting episode. <laughs> Yeah, also <laughs> things happening, but that's okay. Uh, okay, so let's move then to the court jester segment. Adam, who who's your court jester and why? Um, nothing. I'll I'll try to keep this brief. Nothing really stood out in terms of clown performances, but if I'm going to go with someone, it was it's got to be Watanabe. Um, I'm just not pleased with the performance at all. Um, I, he to me he just seems so awkward on the floor and. I'm just not seeing the production that I would like to um, with him. So again, I don't know. Maybe he's a trade candidate for the future. Um, he hasn't been in a plus column in quite some time. So I, I just, I know it's not the whole story. It's sort of the cherry on top, but um, I just, I'm really trying to just pick someone because again, my expectations for this uh, couple of games were quite low. So I'm just going to say Watanabe. Okay. All right. So it was more just like, if you have to pick someone, that's yes. pick. Got it. Yes. Okay. You're not particularly ragging on him for any no, no reason. No. All right. No. All right. Okay, Allison, over to you. Who is your court jester? Well, I probably revealed myself before, but I, I did pick Svi Mihaljevic. Uh, as I said, I, I think he's rapidly playing himself out of the rotation. And I, I, I do see him as, as a little bit more of a, a gifted shooter than Matt Thomas in that he can clear screens but mm. he's just so woefully inconsistent and turnovers and that defensive um, energy that he had at, at the beginning of the year seems to be gone. And like I said, we have another year of him at 1.87 million. So um, I'm not impressed with his play. Okay. Okay. Well, um, mine's a little bit of a cheating answer, but I'm going to go with it anyway. And I'm just going to call it the whole Cleveland team for their. Oh, <laughs> thank I was you. Say that too. Oh, thank you. <laughs> just so it was so bad. Like, I know. They're like, oh my God, we're so great because we won 150.99 against a team that had 10 of its players. Yes. Not yes. playing. Like, what are, you, what are you cheering for? It was so bad. <laughs> Well, the embarrassing thing, they gave up 99 points to us. That should be embarrassing. That's true. Yeah. I mean, I just thought that was really weird. And then, like, just to contrast it, the Raptors play today, obviously, against a depleted Knicks team. And, it, like, there was no weird, like, hurrahing and all of that over over the top cheering for something that was just, like, you, you guys have lost the plot here. Mm. <laughs> what, what are you all so happy about? Right. Anyway. Yeah, that was bad. Yeah. Okay, so that's what I picked. All right. We're going to take a little bit of a break from the Raptors, and each of us is going to get an opportunity now to talk about a different NBA storyline, anything at all that we have found interesting outside of the Raptors and why it's been interesting to us and what we want to say about it. Allison, do you want to go first on this one? Sure. So I've got a couple. And one of the most interesting things to me is the, the Damian Lillard sweepstakes. Um, 31 and probably one of the most electrifying and clutch players in the game right now. And he's also a guy who very loyal and it made it clear that he was happy to, to stay in a small market. Um, so the Blazers, since he joined them, he was drafted in 12 and since 13, 14, they've been eliminated in the first round every year, except two years. One year they went to the conference final and one year uh, the conference semi. Um, so they, there were rumors that he was unhappy. They parted ways with their coach and they hired someone, Chauncey Billups, who everyone says is a very player friendly coach. And then, so where are they at right now? They're 13th place in the West, uh, 13 and 22 a woeful two and 13 on the road. And you just wonder how much longer will Lillard be patient? He is under contract, like a massive contract, but nonetheless until 2024, 2025. But really, I think the clock is ticking on, on his decision. And you just wonder when he's going to demand a trade. So I'm kind of watching that. 
And then do you want me to go ahead with the other thing I was looking at? So I'm kind of fascinated with underperforming teams this year. I think it's my vicarious pleasure. And just wondering what's up with the Atlanta Hawks. And I did a little bit of digging and they, they did start the year 0-7. Some of that was attributable to uh, Clint Capella, um, Herder and Bogdanovich uh, coming back from surgical procedures over the summer. But after that start, uh, they really haven't made headway. Uh, they changed their coach last year and they're one win ahead of where they were at this time last year. And there's this really bad pattern of fourth quarter collapses. And there was one particularly egregious loss. They were up double digits on the Houston Rockets and they gave up the lead, lost the game and allowed 44 points in the fourth quarter. So just their defense is woeful, uh, minus 37 rating in clutch time. And this is a team that went to the conference final last year. You know, it, there are rumors that they were interested in Simmons. So it just makes you wonder, they are a young team. Um, it just makes you wonder how much longer they're going to be patient. And there's so much complaining in Atlanta Hawks, the, the fan base, even their um, reporter for The Athletic, Chris Kirshner, he described Lou Williams and Danilo Gallinari as turnstiles on defense. So it sounds like things are starting to get a little bit ugly down there. Very interesting. Thank you for that. Adam, what are your thoughts on other NBA teams and storylines this year? Um, I have a few. I think it starts for me, and I think a lot of other Raptors fans can speak to this, is just how outstanding DeMar DeRozan has been. Um, I think I read a tweet today. It was the first time where a player hit two back-to-back buzzer beaters in, in two games in a row. Um, I just can't help but be happy for him. And I remember at the start of the season looking at this Bills team, like when Bonzo uh, signed there and everything. I was just like, this team is going to be really good. And everyone's eyes were on the, um, the Nets, obviously, and we didn't know what was going to happen with Kyrie at that point in the beginning of the season, or rather preseason. Um, but everyone's eyes were on the Nets, of course. But when I looked at that Chicago Bulls team, I was thinking this team is going to be really good and it's going to be anchored off the back of DeMar DeRozan. That's exactly what's been happening. And he deserves it um, for everything that he's been through in San Antonio, um, which wasn't favorable to him, but he still held his own. Um, he is really, really putting a nice little bookend to the, to towards the end of his career. Cause I think this will be the last final stand he'll have not to say that he won't join another team or be productive, but I just think that we're at the, the end of the peak of DeMar DeRozan seeing what he can do for a Chicago Bulls team that is currently in first place. And I, I'm not sleeping on them at all in the playoffs I, at all. Um, I just, I am so happy. It brings me joy to see DeMar DeRozan this productive. Um, and the second thing on the flip side, uh, being a guy that lives in New England, I am just happy to see a Celtics collapse. I am very, very <laughs> happy to see the Celtics where they are because to me, it is, I, I ask people here in New England, I say, all right, what is more surprising to you that the Cleveland Cavaliers are in fifth place or the Celtics are in 10th or they're as bad as they are? Like, what is more surprising to you? And emphatically, they say the Celtics should not be this bad. They, and they shouldn't. They should not be this bad. They have two players who, which could easily turn a team around if they were just on a separate team, if they were individually on a different team. They could easily be productive for them and they're just not they're not doing it and i just love it and i i said to my friend today because i'm also a bills fan i'm sure you guys can see in the back i'm like it's weird that the bills are ahead of the patriots and the raptors are ahead of the celtics that's so weird to me and it, it brings me such happiness so the fact that the boston celtics are as bad as they are right now brings me joy like when we look at the the raptors right now i'm sure everyone here can agree that the expectations were rather low heading into the season and if we make the playoffs it's a bonus for me like that's great if we do the celtics should not have that mentality with that roster they shouldn't and they're just underperforming and i love it i'll eat it up do you do you think it's a fundamentally flawed roster what's what's your take i, I mean i shouldn't devolve into this but i'm curious what you think about that I think and it's do coaching. Tatum, yeah. Do Tatum and Brown need to be split up? That's yes. Yes. Mm. I, I do not think you can have two. I don't think you can have a productive team with two ball dominant players. 
right? And when Marcus Smart is the voice of reason on a team, <laughs> that is weird to me. That is really, really weird to me. Um, cause I have not liked Marcus Smart for the longest time. And when you have, cause he's the vet, he's the guy right now saying, we got to pull everything together. We have to be the team that we know we can be. I just don't know that you can have two ball dominant players on the same team. And if, if it were up to me, I'd keep Tatum. I think Tatum's an outstanding talent. Not to say that Brown isn't, but if I were to choose between the two, I'm keeping Tatum. Um, I think the Boston Celtics would be wise to trade away Brown. And again, I think it's a new coaching staff, right? It, everything's a little bit jumbled right now. I don't know how they're responding. Um, I don't know if the new coach is necessarily tapping into them mentally, um, which I think is important. I mean, look at Nick Nurse. He definitely knows how to relate and communicate with his players. Um, I just don't, the team should not be this bad. And to me, it has to be something intangible. It has to be. And Danny Ainge has to wear some of this. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. I mean, he's with Utah, really now, right? So, yeah. The solution is that Adam and Allison should start a podcast <laughs> where they're just petty. And it would be so entertaining to listen to. That's what I, I hate want to see. Hate the Celtics. Hate them. Yeah, sorry. Okay, sir. what are you looking at? I'm curious. Okay, so um, my probably number one thing that I'm noticing is it's just shocking to me how little respect the Bucks have as defending champions, um, just from like terms of media and predictions. And just like case in point happened, uh, I think yesterday or the day before, uh, Robert Ori, former Lakers champion, um, in the context of talking about three peats, so just to give him a little bit of like context of what was going on, he was talking about, um, you know, teams used to three peat, and does anyone, does he think any of the other teams will three peat? Is three peating a thing that happens anymore? And basically, he was saying, no, he doesn't think that three peating really happens anymore. And even back to back championships are really, really hard to win right now. Mm. But then what he specifically said is, we know Milwaukee ain't going to go back to back because they shouldn't have been there in the first place. They only won because of a big toe, referencing. Durant having his toe on the uh for a three-point line uh mm. in the game that went to overtime last year but anyway I just thought to myself like I, I just can't believe how pe- how many people aren't talking about Giannis as a premium player and like the people are don't get me wrong he's still in the conversation but just comparatively it just seems there's no energy whatsoever in media or fan bases about the Bucks being a team that is that they're this contending team and that has one of the best players in NBA history as as you know on their team it's just shocking mm. to me curse yeah. of the small market yeah it's like I, it, I guess so but regardless yeah I mean at least you can understand when people wrote the 2020 Raptors off because you at least lost Kawhi like I, I they shouldn't have it was still a fantastic team without Kawhi but at least you lost your star player and that's why you got written off like they still right. have Giannis I don't understand anyway mm. so that's that's one uh the other thing that I just find interesting and I'm following it is uh I'm really loving watching John Morant and I love that the Grizzlies mm. are mm-hmm. like what an exciting player to watch play basketball i love watching him he's phenomenal yeah yeah that's it i don't really yeah. know. <laughs> great it's just exciting and fun okay great all right so we're gonna now wrap up our podcast by turning back to the raptors and doing some predictions for the upcoming week um raptors are playing four games this week we have um, spurs on tuesday at home at Milwaukee on Wednesday, second out of the back-to-back. Utah Jazz coming to Toronto on Friday. And finally, the New Orleans Pelicans on Sunday. So, Allison, wins and losses, what's going to happen? Okay, first of all, we should tell Adam that our personalities are diametrically opposed. (laughs) And I am the raving pessimist, and clearly Sarah is the 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 optimist in the room so i'm i'm predicting two and two week uh a win against san antonio a loss against milwaukee uh loss against utah and a win against new orleans okay two and two it's not raving pessimism it's very run-of-the-mill 50 50 mediocre okay adam yeah i was i was anticipating an 0 and 4 for being a pessimist um because i think two and two is fair because that's exactly what i was going to say and i think they're 
pretty obvious, right? I think the Spurs game, I think the, the Raptors sh- should take that easily, especially being at home. Um, and again, hopefully with the full roster. Um, the, on a back-to-back going to Milwaukee, I just can't see them taking that. And again, even if it wasn't a back-to-back, I just don't see them beating Milwaukee. Um, same thing with Utah. And the Pelicans, I just think they're, they're a pushover team. I, the Raptors should beat them. Um, no problem. So I think two and two is fair. I, I think that's, I don't know, it's prudent. I think that's the way they'll go. Okay. So if I predict a win against Milwaukee after just saying that they're <laughs> disrespected, <laughs> that will just be consistent with the rest of this. Podcast, Ebbs right? and flow. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So of course, all predictions are, you know, a little hedged based on, you never know who's sitting out for various reasons. Um, but I will also say, I'm just going to, I'm going to go three and one and my loss, my loss will be against the Bucks. And then I'm actually really excited to watch them play the jazz jazz. Number three in the West. I'm just curious. See how this goes. Hmm. That's yeah. bold. Too. Yeah. Well, you know, I am a bold person. <laughs> and I, I just said we had to get, you know, five games above five games against uh, over, over 500 by the all-star break, which means they have to go oh. more than two and two. In certain weeks, right? They're gonna have to actually yeah. win some weeks. So whatever, I'm I mean, going for it. I'm like Fred, you know, you gotta bet on bet on yourself. yourself. <laughs> Except we're betting on the team. Um, I think. Yeah. Um, to be you know, clear, we'll, I'm not putting real money down on any of these. No, things. of course, of course. <laughs> we're just just the 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 podcast coins we'll put down. Um, I think when we when we circle back to the beginning of the show, how I was talking about how it's unfair to evaluate the team based on what's happened up until this point. I think right now, assuming a, a full roster, um, I think it's fair, and I think these four games are going to be uh, an evaluation period where we can not say, okay, this guy's tradable, and whatnot, because again, it's just four games, small sample size. But I think now we can really zero in on it and be critical of the team if they're not performing well, right? And so if we're looking at the Milwaukee Bucks game, I think that's, I don't want to say an obvious loss, but it's a forgivable, excusable loss. Because again, back-to-back at Milwaukee, anything could happen. And, and I think given that, I, I don't know if this is okay to say, I'm going to say it. I just think Milwaukee's just a better team. Um, and they have the better overall player on the team with Giannis, and usually that team tends to win. So I'm going to go with the Bucks on that one. Would it surprise me if they beat Utah? No, it wouldn't, especially given a full roster. And again, if they do beat Utah, I think that says a lot about the Raptors, more than it says anything about Utah. And again, I don't want to make it seem unfair that I'm giving the Raptors so much credit, but given that we're going to see them with the full roster, given that we're going to see that cohesiveness and that chemistry redevelop, I think it's important to see. And I think if we if they do perform well against Utah and only lose by a small margin, again, these are the types of, I guess, moral victories that Raptors fans can count on and say, okay, we can make evaluations about this team. We can make evaluations about these players and see where they fit into the grand scheme of things moving forward. And I think right now, these four games grant that opportunity for us as fans. Well said. Thank you. (laughs) And then we have a game in Detroit on the 14th. And I I can't imagine going into Detroit and losing again, but no. anyway. Well, We'll see what happens on that. So you, okay. Um, all right. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Adam. It was really of great course. to have you here. Yeah, that of was course. fun. Thank you. Nice to meet you. Yeah, you as well. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much. Yeah. And thank you to all of our listeners. You know the drill. Stay Raptors fans. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye.